0: Hey there, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast for all of us looking to bring more love and more courage into our daily lives. I'm Reverend Elaine, one of your hosts, and I'm so glad that you are tuning in right now. It's great to be with you. So I don't know about you, but it's the middle of May, and I am really feeling the transitions these days. I'm watching my kids finish up their school year. I'm putting the final touches on their camp registrations and swimming lessons. I look to my calendar, and I'm seeing weddings and memorial services coming up. And in my world, there's more of these than usual, since so many rites of passage got deferred by COVID. I'm wondering, too, what is the summer going to bring? I'm wondering what the wildfire situation will be out here in the West this summer. I'm wondering about the future of reproductive rights and, you know, just, like, the general world order. So today, this podcast is all about navigating those in-between times, those liminal times when the ship of our lives has pulled away from the dock, but we know that we are still far from arriving at our destination. And perhaps we are even wondering if there's any destination out there at all. So in these times of liminality, when the chaos of the in-between can make us so reactive and anxious, or it can just shut us down, how might we respond in a life-giving way, in a way that feels good and grounds us and feels true to ourselves? And for those of us in transition in our lives, whatever the circumstances are, Reverend Gretchen offers us this message. There was a moment early
1: on in the pandemic where everyone seemed to get a little bit mad, or at least a group of people started to get a little bit mad. I don't mean about masks or vaccines that came later. I mean the mad that came when a whole bunch of folks were told that they were in a high-risk group because they, they were being told, were older. Maybe you remember that moment because maybe you started to get in that moment a little bit mad or maybe a lot mad that you were being told that you were older. Now note I said older, not old. It is an important distinction because aren't we all now older? The answer to that is, of course, always yes. Children who, if we're lucky, children who, before the pandemic that we knew as infants, are now talking and walking. And elementary age kiddos who are, are now doing that awkward, beautiful dance of the early teens. My son... He turned 12 in that March of 2020, like about a week and a half after we all went into lockdown. And at that time, I remember distinctly he was not yet five feet tall. Well, he turned 14 this past March. And so now he likes to jokingly rest his arm on the top of my head. My son's changes were maybe more obvious, but I know that my body has changed too. I've made friends with my increased silver hair, and I am still searching for my old friend metabolism, who I think I lost touch with somewhere in the heat, the haze of 2020. All jokes aside, the changes that many of us have experienced over the last two and a half years are profound. And I start with aging because we are all older. We are all, as always, moving into this next new phase of life. And this just by itself can be disorienting and destabilizing this constant transition that life invites us or maybe I should say pushes us into. Aging means a, that transition that's always happening in our bodies. And also it means a transition in the ways we are perceived in the world. I mean, my 12 year old is not perceived in the same way as he is now perceived as a 14 year old. It brings also a change in our place in society. It can bring a change in our sense of worth, a clarity of identity. It can also bring a a parallel change in our relationship, since as we age, so does everyone else around us. Now, when we are not in a global pandemic with large chunks of time spent in isolation or in small bubbles of people and places, it is easier to ignore or just lose track of these changes. But I have noticed there is something about the intensity of this pandemic time that has made our aging feel both more and also less real. Less real maybe because so many markers of time that is, birthday celebrations at like graduation parties, memorials, these moments that mark our time in our lives, were missed. And also, because the last, feels less real, because maybe because of the last two years, have felt like a kind of blur. I don't know about you, but I've started to get confused in my mind, where I start to think, wait, did that happen in the summer of 2020? Or the summer of 2021? It all just feels like like a big, like a big blur but also our aging feels even more real because as we all emerge back into community, all those changes that have happened since we last saw each other are more apparent to each other and to ourselves. We go to put on clothes that we wore pre-pandemic and we find they don't fit us anymore. I mean, literally, I went and got all new pants last weekend but also it is more than that. We aren't the same people that we were when we last wore those clothes. The last few years have been a time of intense change where any trust that we'd had about the future, about what we could expect in the future, especially once you start to think about like time more than just a couple weeks out, that trust has really been eroded which is not just about the pandemic. I mean, just think, a few years ago, and I, I'm not sure how far back you need to go. For me, it'd be you know, maybe 2019 or 18. I We would have never thought to question our nation's peaceful transition of power. Or we ne- would have never thought to question a continuous growing acceptance of LGBTQ families and identity. And if you would have told us even as late as 2019 that Colorado would've, would've, would have wildfires in December, most of us would have thought that was impossible. But the last few years have taught us that nothing is impossible and everything starts to feel up for grabs. This degree of transition and uncertainty in the world around us and in our personal lives creates in us and in everyone around us an incredible amount of anxiety and uncertainty, as you might have noticed. In times of great change, it is natural to want to either go back to where we were or in whatever point in the past, where the world felt clear and predictable, or leap ahead to some great future world where everything has been worked out. And yet we also know, at least theoretically, there is no going back, and there is no leaping ahead. We are caught instead right here, in this disorienting state of the in-between. It's a state that anthropologist Victor Turner called liminality. In her book, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, Leading in a Liminal Season, church consultant Susan Beaumont writes, the words liminal and liminality are both derived from the Latin "limen," or meaning a threshold. That is a bottom, the bottom part of the doorway that must be crossed when entering a building. Liminal times, those threshold times, bring disruption and disorder where something has ended but the new thing has not yet begun. You're standing there on the threshold. This experience, it can be terrifying and troubling because our brains, we really like predictability and order, which is exactly what liminality will not give us. It's why people experiencing transitions are more likely to get lured in by tricksters, that is, those people who will promise the stability that we really long for, even if that stability is not based in any kind of reality, as you also might have noticed. Liminality is also troubling because transitions necessarily come with grief, because they do mean that something has ended. It is something has been lost. This is true in our collective transitional time where we are holding so much loss and it is true in our individual lives. Going back to that experience of aging, growing older always includes a degree of loss. Like even at the earliest times of life, we're always saying goodbye to some stage of our life that we are no longer in but especially this is true in the third, third of our lives. One dear congregant told me a few years ago that she has started, She had started to realize how many of her last times she had been counting. She said, oh, well that was the last time I drove, or that was the last time I swam or that was the last time that I was able to take notes in a meeting. She was finding new ways to live out her purpose and it was good. But she told me she had not anticipated that what it would feel like to be living in a stage of life where she would be so aware of her last times. We need to make space to acknowledge this grief that is a part of our liminality whether for the institutions that are not as they were or for our relationships in the ways they's, they have changed or for our bodies that it will not move as quickly or as easily as they once did, or for whatever losses this time of great change has meant in our lives. I wanted to bring up grief, especially this Sunday, because we are just two days away from our great groundbreaking of our new sanctuary. Because this year, this next year, while that building is being built, we will all be in a very explicit time of transition on our physical campus. Which on the surface, you think this would be nothing but good news. I mean, we have been working so hard and so long for this moment. But this new beginning, also means an ending. I mean, so many important rituals and stories and celebrations and songs have happened in this room from this stage. Babies blessed and loved ones memorialized and weddings and flower communions and choir concerts and chalices lit. If I squint in this room, I can see so many faces, so many memories held right here. In a year from now, this space, it will still be here, but it won't be the same. This way we gather in this space, this way of being foothills, it is ending. And that is a loss. This, the new building, it's gonna be amazing. I literally cannot wait. And also we will miss this sanctuary and this way of being together." When we acknowledge the losses that are a part of liminality, then then we can make space for the excitement to grow too, that is, excitement for what is becoming possible and the beginning of something new. As one example, I offer our democracy, which is in a profound state of transition. As in the old systems of democracy, they are breaking down. Especially at a national level, things have really broken down. But even in some ways in our local politics, too, the mess at our local school boards and local school boards across the country over the last year have get, give us one example. The old ways have broken down, but the new methods new systems the new leadership this has not yet emerged which again this is not a really fun space to be in but it can also be exciting because it means in that time in this time we get the chance to experiment and envision and build something that is even more aligned with our values and more vibrantly alive than the institution as it has become As Richard Rohr writes, we have to allow ourselves to be drawn out of business as usual and remain patiently on the threshold where we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. There alone is our world, old world truly left behind while we are not yet sure of the new existence. That's a good space where genuine newness can begin get there often, and stay as long as you can by whatever means possible. It's the realm where God can best get at us because our false certitudes are finally out of the way. This is the sacred space where the old world is truly able to fall apart and a bigger world is revealed. Or rather, it is revealed as long as we are willing to stay put through the challenges of liminality. A lot of us instead decide to take a break and wait out liminality until things settle, especially in organizational change settings, transitional times are often when engagement drops and people start to wonder, will there be a place for me in this new thing, whatever it is going to be, Susan Beaumont describes how when an organization enters liminality, it often means that old weaknesses long patched over or compensated for re-emerge in full bloom. Old conflicts re-emerge, signals about what is important are mixed and systems are in flux, and people become polarized between those who want to rush forward and those who want to return to the old, familiar ways. Especially in the compounded liminality of our world today, With so many layers of transition and disorientation, a defensive stance and a wait-and-see orientation is understandable in response to even more transition. It's just that what it forgets, this orientation, is that the future that is revealed is not a static object. The future is shaped by those who stay put in the midst of change. Those who stay put in the present abiding the anxiety and the uncertainty while asking big questions and learning big lessons, making big mistakes. These are the things that allow real change to happen until that future forged in timeless values and unchangeable commitments emerges. The transitional season is the time when we most want to check out. And it is a time when we most need to stay put. Because growth, it can't happen if we aren't there for it. We must be midwives for the new world that is emerging. That is the world that's emerging in ourselves and in our community and in the wider world. We must bear witness and hold space and manage our fears and center in with gratitude. In a recent conference about the future of faith and spirituality, religious scholar Diana Butler Bass acknowledged that in this transitional moment, humans are feeling overly drawn to focusing either on the past or as in the conference, focusing on the future. She said, when we overly focus on the past, we either like what we see, and then we develop a kind of nostalgia, which it keeps our imaginations very narrow and our ways of being in the world very rigid. Or we might look at the past and we don't like what we see, and so then we become regretful, which invites a posture of defensiveness and critique and keeps us also stuck. Neither of these orientations to the past are very life-giving. Instead of the past, humans are also drawn to looking ahead to the future, except that in this moment, there is so much about the future that is uncertain That is whether you're talking about climate change or voting rights or war, as soon as you start to talk about these things, you feel your chest tighten and your heart rate speed up. I mean, what will happen with the elections in November? What will happen with the war in Ukraine? What will happen when Roe likely falls in the summer? This anxiety makes us reactive and stingy. Not all of us, of course. Some of us will maintain a stubborn optimism. She cautions, though, that the optimism is often masking an unwillingness to see a bigger picture. Or masking a fixation that we have of mapping our own wishes, but we want to be true, onto what is actually at work in the world. Where Butler-Bast lands ultimately is that neither a focus on the past or a focus on the future in this liminal moment is all that helpful. Instead, we need to focus more fully on the present. We need to pay attention to where we are right now, more fully. What is beautiful right now? What is loving right now? And what are we doing right, right now? And who are we with That is our partners around us in this moment. Their stories, their struggles, their hopes, their gifts. How are we turning to them right now? This radical focus on the present can be our guide as we move into the future, even as that future is being born. And it can keep us connected through whatever chaos or confusion or COVID variants come our way in this season of liminality. However, that might be true for each of us and the ways that it is true for us collectively. Rather than letting fear drive us, let us find ways to manage our anxieties. Release practice. Let's make space for grief and bear witness to all that has been lost. Most of all, let's keep showing up even though that that can be hard, but let's show up focused, especially on the beauty and goodness that is happening right now. When we do this, then this time of this great in-between can also be a time of the great turning, an age of creativity and compassion, curiosity and courage, a time where we more fully know ourselves And know our world. A time where we know ourselves more truly alive. May it be so. And amen.
0: Well, dear listener, I want to leave you with this blessing. When the winds of change feel too strong and you want to hide away, choose instead to lean in. Bring your grief and your fear and your love Show up for the changing tides. Let us ride the waves together in joy and gratitude. For all this beauty, we are grateful. Thank you so much for making time to join this week's episode of the Foothills Deeper Pod. If you have a moment, it would mean so much to us if you could leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help people discover the show. And so many folks out there are just trying to find the right something that might touch their lives in a meaningful way. Just looking for a little inspiration. And if there's anyone in your life who you think would resonate with the big questions we're wrestling with over here, please do send them a link, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening. I'm delighted that you joined us today.